going to discuss three movies today. You know what one of them is? Dream Warriors! Yeah. Was that Dokken? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it? Dokken. It was Dokken. Hell, yeah, it was Dokken. <laughs> yes, Nightmare on Elm Street, part one, because there's too damn many of these movies to do in one setting. Is, this is our uh, second double. Yep, after uh, the unfortunate double whammy. Um, before we go any farther, uh, you're listening to the Series Run podcast where we're watching the whole series of these things, and then we're going to talk about the whole series of these things. And I'm Matt. I'm Matt. So we're both Matt. Different Matts. I'm not like doing like a weird double voice thing. Um, Be interested if you could do it. Yeah. And this is the first like super mainstream, well, I mean, for horror, it's the most mainstream thing we've done. For sure. Love these movies. Yeah. No, they're great. I, I mean, I, they, they are a strong, strong contender for the best horror series. Um, it's a good argument. Back to front. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect horror series that's more than three movies. Very true. Um, but this is a this is a real strong contender. Um, you know, I, I think the only ones that are close, people would say Halloween, but a the continuity there is such a goddamn horror show, and there's a lot of garbage in that. There's area. Left Field and Halloween, just yeah, they go yeah. all over the place, and uh, there's an argument to be made for Child's Play. I think. Oof. I, no, because no, if the you know, mm. and for Scream, I think there's an argument to be Ugh. made there too. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, they're doing a fifth one, right? Fourth. No, fifth. No, they yeah, did fifth. a fourth. No, they're one. doing a fifth one. You're they right. Bombed. Right. No, the fourth one did all right. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was better than three. I only like the first one. Oh, see, I don't think the first and second ones are pretty good. Anyway. Skeet Ulrich, what is That's he doing now? God, wait, I don't know what anybody named Skeet would be doing. <laughs> you know what pisses me off is what I think he was purposely Skeet? looking like Johnny Depp. Yeah, but you know the the, the, the and we're not talking about Scream. Although we should do that at some <laughs> point. But the best best performance. You're talking about Skeet. No, <laughs> Skeet, 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 motherfucker! Look at that timing. <laughs> Unrehearsed. <laughs> yes, we did not plan that. Um, no, last said. I saw Skeet it was uh, when he was in. Um, I think he was in the was uh, he jumping uh, Greg Kinnear in uh, as good as it gets. I think he was with uh, Christian Slater and Tara Reid in um, in the Alone in the Dark. Uwe Ball. He was uh, in that. Yeah. He yeah. Must have got I it early then. Yeah, it's oof, that's a bad movie. Holy shit, it's bad. In in a in a great way, but Jesus, it's bad. Um. No, but we're not talking about that. Okay. We're already getting <laughs> We'll derailed. get to you, Skeet. Yeah, we'll get to you, Skeet, Skeet, Skeet. Um, well, the first one. Okay, first first Nightmare on Elm Street. The Year of Our Lord. 1984. Great the year, year that McDonald's lost a whole lot of money on the Olympic thing, which is hilarious. I was born that year. Oh, God damn it. What were you doing? I was being 12. You were watching. <laughs> you were watching. Uh, I was probably watching this. It was going to be Scary Terry. <laughs> yeah, I was probably watching this. Um, okay, we all know this was uh, directed by Wes Craven. Before we get to this, we need to put this movie in context. Um, by 84, you're already up to what, Halloween probably, I think it was... Three or four? Three. Three had bombed, and they weren't sure what they are going to do after that. We had, they didn't have four yet, because they, there was no Michael Myers in three. It's a good movie, by the way. Uh, well, not good, but super entertaining. Um... And they had just done, I think they had done Final Chapter that year for Friday the 13th, was 84. Really? 
I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't have my phone with me, but I'm, I'm 90% sure 84 was was uh, was final chapter of Friday the 13th. So by that time, the slasher, the, the unkillable slasher guy that runs around and, and kills teenagers thing was getting real goddamn old, right? So this was like a huge deal because it was the first time somebody had done something really unique with that idea in a long yeah long time it wasn't just some crazy asshole with a knife or a drill or a pickaxe if you're in canada i guess because buddy valentine was 81 um i love that movie uh but directed by wes craven wesley earl craven rest in peace sir late or yeah he was amazing um and and he has a really weird filmography i don't know if you look at all this stuff yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, Hills okay. Have Eyes is one of my favorite films. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He did People two, Under the Stairs. He did two Stone Cold classics before this movie. He did Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. Great which film. I have a hard time with Last House on the Left, but I understand it's what what it is and why it's It's a important. lot going on in that movie. Yeah, it's it's a fucked up movie. But it's Blow movie. your brains out. Yeah, I, got, I have a friend from college. <laughs> it's his favorite movie ever, oh. and that's a little disturbing. Um, and he'd done a couple of really, what I consider really underrated gems before this in Swamp Thing, which I think is pretty fun. Swamp Thing was good. Yeah, I have the poster in my bedroom. Um, and um, Adrian Barbeau is what's good about yeah, it. Yeah, that's why I have the poster in my bedroom. She's a nice lady. She is a nice lady. And uh, Deadly Blessing. Did you ever see Deadly Blessing? Deadly Blessing? I don't think I have. It was really good. If I recall correctly, Linda Blair was in it. But um, it was Ooh, like a... An age Linda Blair? Uh, no, this is before It wasn't 84. ripe anymore? Wait, mm-hmm. so she was still ripe? Is what you're saying? Yeah, she still she still looked, still looked good. She gave a good performance. Of, I think it was her. She looks I don't know. I didn't look it up, but um, it, it was a uh, it was a movie about like a crazy religious cult that's basically trying to take over this family's life. It's really good. Um, and then he did some. He did at least one big old garbage pile before he even did this movie, in Hillside Eyes Two. Um, which is garbage. It wasn't good. No, no. And then after this, he kept doing that because he made at least three what I think are good movies, Scream, Scream 2, and uh, Red Eye. Yeah, Red Eye was Red good. Red Eye's badass. Killian Murphy. Um, and then he had um, a couple of hidden gems. The aforementioned People Under the Stairs, which if you've not seen People Under the Stairs, <laughs> for the love of God, go see People Under the Stairs. Severely underrated amazing. movie. Severely. Uh, it's so good. It's a great film. I, I still love Shocker. Yeah, it gets real. Shocker's good. It gets so silly, but it's like half half of a really good serious serial killer movie and half of half of a what the fuck? <laughs> um, How did this get past production? Right, and then Serpent of the Rainbow, which is really good. Uh, have you seen that? I have not. It's really really good. It's like a really serious like voodoo horror movie. I so. feel like to me, as much as I really appreciate it, uh, Wes Craven, and just. He kind of lived in the shadow of John Carpenter for me. He's a different kind of filmmaker, though. Yeah, no, for sure. But just far like a lot of their stuff kind of came out simultaneously, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. But they were they were chasing different stuff, and and we can get into Carpenter later because I've been listening to a whole thing about him. But Jay Carpenter did his away. best. His best movies are the ones where he had budget constraints, where he had to figure out how to do more with less. Yeah. If you give him a whole bunch of money, he makes shit like uh, Ghost of Mars. LA. Escape from L.A. or, or Memoirs of a Visible Man, if you don't give him enough money, like he was limited to a $3 million budget on um, Prince of Darkness and on They Live, and they're both awesome. Man, I love They Live. So good. 
Anyway, we're not here to talk about him either. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so so it, this is a big deal. Like, this is a whole different kind of thing. Um, uh, so the cast. The lead's Heather Langenkamp. Mm. This is her first... Uh, yeah, she looked great. Um, Do you remember her on that show, Just the Ten of Us? Was she on Just Ten of Us? She was one of the ten. Uh, yeah, no, she's always looked good. Um, John fucking Saxton? Yeah, that's what I was gonna, John Saxon for sure. Um, what's cool with me on this is, is Heather Langkamp, this is her first on-screen role. She had shot scenes for The Outsiders. Really? And they were deleted. No way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Do it for Johnny, man. And then other than, as we'll discuss, her showing up um, in part three and uh, showing up as a, uh, a victim in Shocker. <laughs> that's right. Uh she did a lot of TV and a lot of weird bit parts. She was in the 10th Hellraiser movie, Hellraiser Judgment. Uh, uh. What's really interesting about her for me is that she married uh, David Leroy Anderson, who is a special effects guy, um, who I think worked on, on New Nightmare. Um, he did. Yeah. But uh, they, they formed their own, together they formed their own special effects company, ATX, and he later won the Oscar for his uh, effects work on um, Nutty Professor. That's interesting. So, anyway. Um, she she's very good in this. Um, I like that. Very genuine. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, that the way she had the makeup, no, they did the makeup, and part of that's the makeup guy's job, but um, you know, a lot of actresses would be too vain for this, that she looks exhausted. She looks legitimately exhausted for the whole movie. Like you could feel just it. Wants to goddamn go to sleep. And her energy I, was good. Yeah, while well, I was reading a thing that I thought was kind of funny, the part where she she has this, she was twenty when she made this movie, and she's supposed to be playing fifteen, which okay, they probably should have made it at least seventeen. But um, when she looks in the mirror, it's like, oh god, I look like I'm twenty. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is uh, Johnny Depp's first role. Oh, yeah. Glenn. Glenn, the most ineffective boyfriend in many a moon. Yeah. He sucks. Still, um, though, this kill, out of all the kills in the entire series, is still one of my top three. Oh, it's great. It's great. Um, it's really well done, especially for 84. Because you're not using CGI or any of that shit here. Um, it was just interesting. That whole scene alone was just... I want to say I saw a thing about that where they, like, they actually turned the bed upside down. And, and oh, and like released it or something like that. The, uh, and then ran the, yeah, like I think they, I think they turned it upside down is what they did. But I don't remember off the top of my head. I saw a thing about it, uh, but a while ago. Um, he's fine in the role, but the character sucks. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it, he, I mean, not sucks like, it's poorly written. It sucks like he's supposed to, like he's. Was he the first kill? Oh God, no! He was almost the last kill. The first kill was Tina. Giant, uh, Tina's the first kill. He's almost. He might be the last one. No, he wasn't the last one. Yeah, he got because, it like mid. No, it goes because there's really not. That's the thing. There's not a huge body count in this movie. No, the first one that gets it is Tina. The second one that gets it is Tina's um, boyfriend who gets hung up in the cell, mm-hmm. and then Glenn, which is Johnny Depp. Yeah, and that's about it. I mean, there's only like a kill count of three people in this movie. Uh, Robert Englund at this point had done already some really good horror stuff. Um, 
primarily to my mind. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Eaten Alive. Yep. Yeah, he's in Eaten Alive. Eaten Alive's a good flick from '76. It was Toby Hooper's follow up to uh, to uh, Texas Chainsaw. And um, hell, a he, nice guy. I met him. Who Robert Englund? Yeah. Yeah, he seems like he's a really nice dude. My last year with Comic Palooza. He seems like he's a very chill dude. <clears throat> good energy though. Yeah. A lot of stories. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, what I knew him from at the time, as a kid, I, I, I was always excited to see this because I knew him from V. Where the V miniseries with the, uh, with the aliens. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah, where he's the good alien. He's Willie in V. And in the V, the final battle, which came out the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, he was also in Dead and Buried, which is a really underrated horror gem from the 81. And in Night a, Terror. <laughs> well, the one I always think of is Galaxy of Terror from 81, which is goddamn terrible. Uh, but it's, it, I mean, he's in it. Uh, you know, if your top billed actor in that movie at the time was the girl who played, it was, uh, was uh, What's-Her-Face Moran that played Joni and Joni Loves Chachi. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, Did Chachi I, give a fuck about Joni? No! What a dick. Anyway, <laughs> he, he's obviously amazing in this role. Um, especially in this movie, it was almost like it was just made for him. Uh, yeah, it's he fell like into, he just it. into it. Yeah, he just fell into it, and it's like it was he was. Couldn't imagine anybody really. Well, they tried. Oh and, yeah, I know, I know. And they picked the, you know, casting wise, and we're not going to really get into the reboot, but casting wise, they picked probably the best possible actor to do that role, and it just, it's just not the same. Jack Earl Haley is an amazingly good choice for that role. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, and he did the best he could with it, but it's written like garbage. And, and we've already seen the story before, and why are we doing it again? Um, the other one that I think is hilarious here, okay, well, first, John Saxon, who's been, who before, R.I.P. And the Dragon, man. Mad. That dude was in fucking everything, and he was great in everything he was in, even if the movie was shitty. And he was in a lot of shitty yeah, movies. He killed it. You no, know, he's amazing. He kills it in everything, even if the movie's bad. Like he's the, what was that one garbage? He's been in a lot of garbage. I mean, he well, was, was like in the original Black Christmas. He was in fucking Mitchell, man, <laughs> with Joan Baker. He, it's the the movie the movie that is famous for Mystery Science Theater. And if you've never seen that episode, you need to watch it like right now because it is hilarious. How do you like your scotch by the court? Uh, <laughs> the one that I think is is interesting on this is Amanda Amanda Weiss who plays Tina. Yeah. She was Lisa in Fast Times, but I um, I am a huge fan of Better Off Dead. Remember Better Off Dead? Yeah. She's Beth. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, Lane, wonder if you might have had to go, Beth. <laughs> um, God, I love that movie. Um, Freddy Krueger's only in this for seven minutes. Like total scream time? Yeah. And he barely has any lines. He laughs a lot in a very threatening and nasty way, but I think that's the deal with why this is a scarier movie. I like, can see that. It's cool that he's one of the very few killers. The whole that thing was, was a, like a dream. Well, and that's the thing too, though, is like when I was talking about these other, like Halloween and and and, and uh, Friday the 13th, but even all the imitations, there's reasons why Michael and, and Jason don't talk, right? Like, presumably... With Jason, particularly, he's supposed to be kind of, like, messed up, so he doesn't talk. Yeah, he's a tad. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> he's, I, I believe on, on the documentary about it, Crystal Lake Memories, which I highly recommend, um, they call him a mongloid. Um, Ouch. 
Well, that was how they did the thing. Impact so, hire. Yeah, an impact hire. Um, an impact diversity hire. Um, <laughs> but, there, I mean, most of those guys had no reason to keep quiet. And this is one of the first killers like that that actually like kind of has any kind of dialogue. He talks a little in this, but not much. It's mostly... <laughs> Which is creepy as fuck, especially with that uh, that weird sound they made with the uh, claws on the metal. Yeah. And that goes through the whole series, and it's always creepy. Even in, as we'll get to later, the dumber sequels. It, that That is always a reliably creepy sound. It's bleh, weird. Um, Craven hated, hated the ending of this. Really? He shot a different ending. The ending he shot was actually, yeah, it was all a dream, and they get out, and they're fine. That's how he originally shot it. And then Bob Shea, who's the uh, producer, was like, no, 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 no. We might be able to build a franchise out of this. we got to make sure Freddy's still around so we can do that, which is why a blow-up dog gets pulled in through the uh, through the door at the end of the movie. <laughs> which is goddamn stupid. It's, it was, a, it's it the only false sudden. note in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, really. no, I agree. It was just really sudden. Sudden and dumb. Like, it, she, they didn't even try to make it. I mean, I know they're going to be like, oh, it's a dream, so whatever. But she looks ridiculous. Thanks, Bob. Idea. God damn it, Bob. Um, what about Bob? Um, <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to add about this? No. Uh, I mean, overall, it was a great film. It's awesome. Uh, the stretchy arms thing is always fun to watch, too. In the, yeah. Well, the stretchy arms thing, the uh, no running in the halls. I always think of that. When I was a no kid, we used, to, we used to quote that all the time. No running in the halls. Um, what a bitch. Then he, he <laughs> oh, didn't, we didn't bitch. get the bitch till later. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't turn into Scary Terry till later. Um, well, like the budget was the, like a $1 million budget. 1.8. And it made like, what, 57? No, 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 no. From what I saw, this is IMDb numbers. IMDb says 1.8 million. And it grows 25.5. Um, keep in mind, that's 1984 dollars. So that's a lot of money. So that's a ton of money, and and you know they they greatly overshot what they paid for it. I mean, it's it's a huge hit. It's a big big deal. Um, Craven didn't come back for the sequel specifically because he didn't think they could build a franchise out of it. Really. He he thought this was kind of a one and done thing that it would be really hard to build any kind of franchise out of this out of this uh, this scenario. That's funny. But that brings us to what I think, in some ways, is the most interesting movie of the bunch: Nightmare on Elm Street Two, Freddy's Revenge. Boy, did he get it! Yeah, he did. Uh, Nineteen eighty-five. The director is Jack Shoulder. Uh, he has done some great stuff. Before this, for sure, he did the old, uh, the, uh, the the original movie Alone in the Dark, which I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I've seen yeah, that with Palance and all those guys. It's yep. fucking great, and I wish it was more accessible. You can't find it anywhere like streaming. Yeah, it's awesome. Probably found on VHS. Somewhere. Yeah, it's hard to find, but man, it's worth the trip. Um, and um, Wishmaster, Wishmaster two, he might be our first repeat. Shout out to that first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he also uh, did The Hidden, which is pretty good. Yep. yep. I only saw that a couple times. Though. Yeah, The Hidden's pretty good. good. Um, okay, so... November 1st, 1985. Was that when this came out? Yep. So I was uh, 13. Damn. Mm-hmm. I was one. 
So you saw it in the theater then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they dropped me off. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm just gonna get. Up, I'm just gonna get this out of the way because it's gonna be the elephant in the room for for Nightmare on Elm Street Two. This is a very, 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 extremely, very gay movie. And I say that in the best possible. <laughs> and I say that in yeah. the best possible way. I, it's it's really transgressive for 1985. It's very very ahead of its time. And mm-hmm. if you have not yet seen the documentary Scream Queens, you need to see it. It's amazing. Um, it's really it really and 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 I think the fact that it's obviously a gay movie and it's it's text. It's not subtext. Like you can tell, makes it a better movie. I think if this is a straight movie, it wouldn't work. Hmm. I think as a gay movie, it works really, really well. But it's not a gay movie. It can't really. <laughs> um, it's like gay bar scene. Yeah, that's. I mean, well, and if you see, I, mean, I know you've seen Scream Queens. When it was Scream first, Queen? when it was first coming out, yeah. Yeah, Scream Queen, not the not. Sorry, Scream Queen, the documentary about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing, and and when Jack shoulders on there, he's like, "Well, we weren't trying to make a game. That is utterly bullshit. Obviously, utterly bullshit. It's it's ridiculously obvious. Um, so it's pretty transgressive for 1985. Like you don't see stuff like this in 1985. It's a very unique film. Mark Patton stars in it. He's good. Um, he screams a bit much. Scream's a little off. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to sound like that. Yeah, he scream, the, not not to traffic and stereotype, but he really does scream like a girl. Um, like that's just a fact. Um, <laughs> but um, this ruined his career. Uh, he had worked with he worked with Robert Altman before this. Really? Uh huh. And then after this, um, he was so traumatized by the whole experience uh, that he moved to Mexico and changed his name. Um, and and contracted AIDS, um, which was a big stereo, a big problem at the time, uh, because he was a, like semi out even before they did the movie. And uh, just later, when he found out it had become kind of a cause celeb in queer cinema, he came back. Yeah, and has been like a huge advocate for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I like this movie a lot, uh, partially because Freddie, I, I think it's maybe. It's not the best movie in the series by a long shot, but I think it's maybe the best, um, the best balance between kind of Freddy lines and Freddy scary. Like after this, he gets a little goofier. But I got the brains. Yeah, that's as goofy as he gets in this. And like, like, and the rest of his dialogue is pretty straight. Like the whole thing at the end, "You are all my children." I was like, "That's pretty <laughs> great." Um, and it's, I think, other than Freddy vs. Jason, this is the only movie where he kills people in the real world. Yeah. Um, or maybe it doesn't seven. Well, no, I mean, but yes, ish. You know, he doesn't kill them in their dreams, though. He he pops out at the pool party and just takes out a bunch of kids. I would have loved... I'd love to see an alternate timeline where this had been maybe written a little better and... Well, this one took like five five years after. Like the family moves into the house five years later. Right, but the actual movie was made a year later. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, would, I, I, would, I would have liked to see an alternate timeline where 
this starts a whole timeline of Freddy trying to, basically Freddy doing the same thing that Chucky does in the Child's Play movies, trying to find a way into the real world. Yeah. I, I, I would, that would be an interesting side thing. Okay, so the other people in this. Robert Russler, who plays his best friend and obvious love interest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, locked um, in that room together. Yeah, I know. It's, my Lord. Um, the, the, like, the dance scene alone, man. I, I don't know what was going on there. Uh, um, he was in Weird Science the same year. Weird Science. He was, uh, he was uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s other douchebag friend. Yeah, yeah. Weird Science. <laughs> and he was in Vamp the year after this playing... Another douchebag guy. <laughs> he kind of had a he kind of had the corner the market cornered there for a little while on utter douchebags. Um, lately, though, he was in Tales from Halloween, which is great. Tales of Halloween, rather, which is great if you haven't seen it. It's a lot of fun. Have you seen that? Yep. Yep. He's in that. He's in the sweet juice part of that. Um, and he's uh, he was in Jacob's Wife, which I've heard is good. I haven't seen it yet. Um, the dad is Clue Gallagher. Yeah. Oh, God bless him. Um, we were recording this on November 17th. He turned 93 years old yesterday, and Jesus. he is still acting. Um, COVID hasn't got him yet. Nope. And uh, and he was in a series I hope we do at some point. He was in Feast, which if you haven't seen Feast, you're in for a treat. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, although his acting in this, the part with the bird. <laughs> Fucking... The bird. Can we talk about the bird scene for like an hour? <laughs> no. What the goddamn hell was going on with that scene? Not sure. I like that it just randomly like went up in flames. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, bird goes crazy, tries to attack everybody, and then just pretty much disappears in a ball of flame for no reason. I know one of the things I liked about should have exploded. Well, and one of the things I liked about this movie also is that it sticks with the heat theme because Freddy was burned to death. So it makes sense that a lot of that would be heat-related. Like things melting in the room, like the whole record bending over and shit. Like, that was really cool. Um, the, the other ones in this, Kim Myers, who plays the, uh, the nominal... Um, Lisa. Yeah. Who... That is actually a pretty hot scene when they're making out. Um, he must have hated that. Oh, he must have hated it, but it's hot. I, I remembered it from when I was a kid watching it, and now I'm yeah. again. Like, <laughs> it's it's still really hot. Um, yeah, but she's uh, she hasn't done much since this. Um, she, other than being in, apparently, she's cursed by unsuccessful sequels because she was in Hellraiser Four. Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Also known as Pinhead in Space. Ugh. Never go to space, folks. Never go to space. The one that we need to talk about, though, is Marshall Bell. The coach. Yeah. Because you know what he was in? Total Recall. As? Yeah, he wasn't Total Recall? My mind just went blank, but yeah. Well, you know what you can do to fix your mind going blank? You can open your mind. Yeah, he was, uh... He's Quato! Quaid! Quaid! Ha! Oh, mercy. We're not going to get into that joke. And... <laughs> and he was... She left an arm in there. So there's another one, man. <laughs> it's a little arm in there. Uh, let me in. Let me in. <laughs> he was General Owen in uh, Starship Troopers. 
Dude, that was one of the funniest deaths. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and that bug just lands on his ass. <laughs> So good. And he was a bad guy in Twins. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was a bad guy in Twins. I forgot about that one. I got my driving hat. I got my driving gloves. But I got no car. The dude's great. I, he's, <laughs> and he's great in this, but he, I mean, the whole thing with him showing up in the in the leather bar, and then he gets, like, <laughs> tied to the showers. Oh, he got it. And, well, and that's the thing. When Jack Shoulder's going on this documentary, I mean, like, this wasn't really supposed to be a game. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I just like that that was definitely not his audio when he was getting spanked. Ugh, it just, I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think that I think that subtext really helps the movie. I think it makes it make more sense. Um, you know, if you see it as like a closeted allegory that Freddy's his sexuality trying to break out of there. Um, <laughs> it's his struggle. Yeah. I think it's a good movie. Um, it's it's gonna it, it, no. And here's what gets me. It, well, first of all, it, he's scary in the, he's legit scary in this movie. Freddy is. He's he's way more threatening than he gets to be in the later sequels. Like he's still doing in the first Freddy. Like he's still doing that, and the makeup's even a little wor- a little nastier in this one than the first one. Yeah, he looks more burned. Um, and then he comes out and kills all those kids at the pool. Uh do you know that, that there's that one girl on the bus? Remember I told you Heather Lanningcap came from that Just the Ten of Us? Yeah. She went and starred with her in that really? TV show, Just the Ten of Us, after that. I bet they had, I bet they, they had stories for each other. Did they scissored? I'd like to see a video of that if they have it, but, you know. Sorry, we're not really that gross. Uh, well. Well, anyways. Sometimes. Anyway. Budget was three million dollars. This grossed more than the first one. Yep, it's made thirty mil. Um, That's which is like interesting because I'm surprised they didn't. That makes me surprised that they didn't kind of follow that trend toward the Freddie wants to get out. Yeah, uh, I'm really surprised they didn't go with that after this one because it made more money. I'm kind of glad that they didn't in the long run. I would have liked them to see them go back to it after three or four. But we'll get into that next time. I would like to see them go back to the Freddy wants to get the hell out of Dreamland and and do stuff here. Yeah, but because it goes to such goofy nonsense by five and six, <laughs> um, funny goofy nonsense, but goofy. Um, oh, bitch, bitch! When he turns into scary Terry, yeah. Um, IMDb of five point five. Harsh. Yeah, I think it's too low. I, the Rotten Tomatoes is even worse. Forty-one, thirty-three. I think that's way too low. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd put this probably somewhere in the upper sixties on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, probably about a, a probably at least a point higher on IMDb out of ten, like a six point five. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. I, I'd recommend it, and I cannot recommend that documentary enough. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen this. That and Class Action Park are the best documentaries I've seen this year. Um, they're older than a year old, but that's often this year. Because I'm behind. Overall thoughts for the second one? That's what I'm saying. I love it. I, I think it's a good movie. Um, I think it's very, very transgressive. For 1985? Nobody was oh, making no. movies was like this. One. No, but you've seen movies from 1985. Nobody was making movies like this in 1985. 
Especially when that was, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to get on the soapbox about it, but that's when the big AIDS thing. Yeah, was, that's what know. I'm saying. Like AIDS is a big thing. I remember because homeboy actually horrible jokes it. when I was like, when I was. I mean, this is like, I turned 13 in in 1985. That is like so when you had your bad mitzvah. Well, <laughs> if I was Jewish, I, I would have had a bar mitzvah, I guess. Uh, I was Catholic, so no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was, I was just eating Jesus bread. Um, amen, amen to that. Amen to Jesus bread. Um, no, but I heard some of the most ridiculously anti-gay jokes because I was just getting into middle school when I was thirteen in nineteen eighty-five, and that is ground zero for the worst goddamn horrible jokes you're ever going to hear in your life. Um, most of them all at Rock Hudson, huh. who had just died of AIDS at the time. So things like. What do you call Rock Hudson on a skateboard? Roll aids. Ha <laughs> ha! Wow. Oh, uh, you're going to hell. Gonna burn in hell for everything that happened in the 80s. Um, but yeah, it's a real. I think it's a really transgressive film. I think it works on most levels. The dance scene is goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> and it has no business being in the movie at all. I don't care for whatever reason. It but like some of, of the stuff in it, that and the bird scene, I think is fucking ridiculous as well. Just random. It's so weird. But like the dogs with the human face things at the end, Ugh. that was, I liked that, that was a, a lot. Eerie. I liked that a lot. I thought that was really like crazy surreal shit. Like, oh, the dream stuff is starting to invade us. Like, I liked that a lot. Because they never really go back to that kind of like un- inexplainable, like, creepy what the fuck is that kind of thing it was it, it hit me on the same level like the thing does like what the fuck am i looking at thing was just good. that scene the thing is a way better movie than this but just that scene had kind of that same vibe to me like what the fuck am i looking at right now like that is really disturbing and i don't know why it's here yeah um so uh yeah, no, the, the, we're not getting into the thing here because I can talk about that for three hours, but, God, that's a good movie. Um, that brings us to Dream Warriors! One of the best ones. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, 1987. 19, Year of Our Lord, 1987. Um, directed by Chuck Russell, who has done a bunch of great stuff. He's, he's turned into a real big-time guy. Yeah. Um, he did the mask. He did the blob remake, which I love, and I've seen it, it good. a million times. It was a go-to when I was on VHS when I was you know this age, eighty-seven when I was uh, when I was fifteen. It blob all day every day. And that came out in eighty-eight actually, so sixteen even better. I had a uh, I had a VCR that I had purchased from a friend who had found it on the back dock of the uh, high school somewhere. Um, <laughs> wow! It still had a property of school district eight sixty one sticker on it, uh, and a copy of the Blob. And me and my friends watched it a lot. Um, Blob was good. It was, that was great a good film. Um, he made the Blob. He made uh, he made Erase. the mask. Eraser. Eraser. Scorpion King. Yeah, <laughs> that movie. He's done a lot of shit. Um, Nancy's back. She's much better in the. She was great in the first one. I don't think she's even better in this one. She's a lot more self-assured. More seasoned. Yeah. She's much more self-assured. She's obviously been doing a lot of acting in between. So I think she's very good in this. I think we're... Um, and John Saxon, of course, is back in this. I think he's better in this, too. That he's playing a very more... It feels like a more John Saxony part in this one. 
kind of, especially at the age he was at, like, just kind of like, ugh. It was just like Dean Martin and Sammy Davis and, and, and uh, Cannonball <laughs> Run. Let's not make that comparison. <laughs> let's just give him, let's just, you know, give him real liquor, guys. Yeah, yeah. He, but he, he plays drunk real convincingly in that. I um, he was drunk. I don't think he was. Uh, the weak link here is Craig Wasson. I don't know why they had to give Nancy a weird Dr. Love interest thing going on. And it just seemed very like, I'm like, come on, what's the age gap, guys? Come on. Moni's kind of bland. Um, I didn't like him. Well, and and I was going to say, part of the bad, reason. bad, but I just didn't like him. But no, and part of the thing was, is this came, he was, his other big credit this year, because he's in two big movies the same year, was Body Double. You seen that? Uh-uh. It's uh, a Brian De Palma movie from the same year with uh, Melanie Griffith, who was naked a lot in it. Um, but it's like a Hitchcock ripoff, like a rear window kind of thing. But he's like this, he plays a super skeevy dude in that movie, where like he's just peeping on his neighbor who dances naked all the time. And <laughs> um, I, I think I had some residual like, ugh, he was so gross in that. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like I might be a little biased because of his performance in Body Double. Um, <laughs> but he's kind of bland. Like, there's not much to him. And I don't think he's necessary. Um, I don't like that you stood in front of John Saxton and you ordered John Saxton around. Why do you keep putting a T in it? John Saxon. Maybe. But either way, you don't stand up to John Saxon like that. No. No, nobody. He the fought only, with Bruce Lee. The only man who can stand up to John Saxon, in my mind, is Michael Ironside. I'm, I, I don't know if they ever did a movie together. They should have. They should have. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Richter. <laughs> they should have. They should have done like a tw- like like a like a twin brothers thing. No, I just thought about it. they should have. They should have been the real tango and cash. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> awesome. I want to watch that a hundred times. Um, yeah, uh, this is Patricia Arquette's first movie, and that's really something else. Like you're seeing all these actors that went on to have huge careers that started here. Well, her and Depp both. Yeah, I mean, that's well, even kind of a big deal. Depp's role. Do you know the people that actually? No, I'm sorry. So the second one, the people that actually uh, auditioned for that role, Michael J. Fox, Christian for, Slater for Patton's role. Yeah, and the second really one, Michael J. Fox, Christian Slater, Brad Pitt. Holy shit. They actually auditioned for that that role. I'll be damned. Yeah, I guess. I guess. And, they, and they gave it to the well, no, different I mean, think one. In 1985, none of those guys were a huge deal. No. When did and Gleaming the Cube come out? <laughs> what? When did Gleaming the Cube come out? It was after that, I think. Was it but in the 80s? It was in the 80s, but it was after that. Um, I mean, Slater, the one that I always remember him being huge from, was Heather's. Yeah. But that was, I think, one or two years after this. Um, after two. Um, and Mark Patton at the time, his big credit at the time, I mean, he'd done some TV and stuff, but his big credit at the time was working with Robert Altman. So that's kind of a big deal. He was in Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. Yeah. Um, and Altman's like a big deal. So I can understand it, but boy, that's a weird what if, huh? Yeah. Can you imagine Christian Slater in that role? Uh, not really. It would have been really weird. I well, then even uh, Michael J. Fox. Pulled it off that. Pitt, Pitt could have pulled it off. Fox would have been really interesting. Michael J. Fox would have been very interesting in that role. <laughs> Mor- Morty. <laughs> I don't like that. I, I, I need you, I need you to, to, to take Freddy in, in your body, Morty. <laughs> I like how Zsa Gabor gets the credit. Okay, that's what I'm talking about for three. Okay, so we're getting back to three. Okay, 
this is where, and I love three, but this is where the series for me kind of starts to go off the rails a little bit. Because Why? this is where it gets cartoony. This is where it starts to get real goofy. Like with the deaths? With the deaths and with the dialogue and with some of the stuff that goes on. And you brought up one of the scenes I was going to bring up. The whole Dick Cavett, Zsa Zsa Gabor thing is goofy as fuck. It's real, real silly. I, mean, I love it, but it's super silly. And in the context of the first two movies, there would not be a scene like that in the first two movies. No, but Absolutely Freddy's coming in. Freddy's showing more of his personality. I know, but one. that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not necessarily denigrating the movie for this. I'm just saying this is where it took a turn. This is where it started. Like, if, if, they'd, if they'd kept the balance here, and again, we'll get into this, that would have been ideal. And even the next movie, and, and to some extent the movie after that, are fine. They still have their creepy moments. But by the time you got six, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but by the time you get to six, he's pretty much a cartoon. Yeah, I mean, I can see your point. Um, the other one, that, the other two people in this that I think are interesting is freaking Morpheus, man. Larry Fishburne. Fishburne. Larry. Well, yeah, okay, fine, Larry. He's credited as Larry. I know. The one I'm sure you have him on speed dial. Uh, <laughs> right. The only thing I think he'd done uh, around the same time was when he was Cowboy Curtis on uh, Pee-wee. Or Pee-wee's uh, Playhouse. Yeah. Um, but the one I want to get to is Jennifer Rubin, mm. who it sucks that she gets killed so early in this movie because I love her. And I think she's really, really good looking in this, especially after she gets the mohawk and the knives and shit. Um, Man, she went out bad, too. Yeah, it sucks. She, although I read one piece of trivia that I read, uh, which I found interesting, is that she said this, that people had come up to her and said that that character had helped them get off drugs. Really? And that she's Because of Scary Terry, huh? Yeah, and she said that was one of her proudest things about her career, is that people had gotten off drugs because of that. But she <laughs> went on... she got on drugs. She went on to do Bad Dreams the next year. She was the star of Bad Dreams, which... Have you even heard of it? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. I, I, I bought it. It's People write it off as a ripoff of this movie. I don't think that's fair, especially because the ending is insane. And because the bad guy in Bad Dreams is, in his own way, interesting in a whole different way than Freddy is. He's a cult leader played by Richard Lynch, who was the bad guy in Invasion USA and in a bunch of other Chuck Norris stuff. Yeah. like He was like your go-to Russian bad guy. And he's a cult leader that basically burns the entire cult alive. And she survives and comes out of a coma like many, many years later, like 13, I think, years later. And he, she keeps seeing him. And, he, and, and he's taking out all the people in this like psych ward that she's in. So it's really, that part's similar, but it's not really the same kind of thing. It's more about mental illness than this is. So I'd recommend it. And she was in Screamers, which I think is a super underrated movie. Seen that? On. Yep. I love that movie. Peter Weller. With all the robots and the robot kid and the crazy shit going on. Anyway. So this is usually acknowledged as either the best of the movies or the second best of the movies. I don't know. It's one of the... I don't know. I rate this one pretty high. I like the ending... All the stuff that was happening towards the end. Yeah. Like the mirror scene and they all, you know, crash, come back into, you know, reality, but through the mirrors because they were basically in the mirrors. Yeah. I thought that was one of the best scenes ever. 
Yeah, the music Because it was intense. Homeboy screams finally. And that's what causes everything. That was an intense scene. Well, and they, and, and they, you know, there's a lot of great stuff about this. I mean, they build up the way they can work together to beat him, which I think is really cool. Like yeah. after the, they obviously got to get some kills in, so the wizard kid obviously is going to buy it. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. I would swear to God, the first kid that buys it, the kid with the puppet, that's a great death, by the way, the puppet strings um, yeah. thing. That he, one looked like a, I mean, I know it was just effects, but I was like, that one hurt yeah. to look at. Yeah, it did. Because it was like torture, it's man. Nasty. Like, it's nasty. And that actor gives the almost, you've seen just one of the guys, right? Yeah. He gives almost exactly the same vibe as Buddy. That weird dude, man, with the reptiles. Yeah. He gets the same goddamn vibe as the little brother in, in just one of the guys. Um, it's not the same actor, but God, I would have sworn it was the same dude. Like it's he looks so much like him and he has that same kind of like weird patter going on. Yeah. Um but uh you know, they had to kill him off because you gotta have a, a death every however yeah, a many few, long few sacrifices. You get bored. So you gotta do him, you gotta do and this is something I kinda miss about horror movies like this, that nudity's gone away. Um, the whole nurse seduction scene thing. Yeah. Um, Growing up, that was one of the first scenes I remember like, what, yeah. She, was, yeah, she looked great. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I, I like that they kind of figured out how to work together in the in the scene with him. Yeah. Where, like they're all kicking his ass. That That's interesting. And none of the other movies really match that. If they point. did it right after this, because they set, three set the tone. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we got to get in the other ones later, but I mean, <laughs> four would have been if they would have been able to bring back the same everybody from the three into four could have been a different trajectory. Well, and uh, yeah, I you're mean, just I, missing Arquette. Um, you're missing Arquette. You're missing Saxon. You're obviously missing Huddle Lane Camp, yeah, which did. is a great scene. I, I, that's what I was going to say is it was is intense. I love the skeleton because it's obviously like stop motion. Yeah. But I'm I'm sad we don't see much of that anymore because it's got a certain charm to it. Like it's kind of fun. Like it's patience in the art. It reminded yeah. me of it reminded me of this. They did kind of the same thing in Army of Darkness where they went back to like the old school, um, like Ray Harryhausen and shit, where where they're just doing the stop motion. But I think that makes it kind of more otherworldly and creepy. CGI that would suck. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no. When, when John Saxon gets killed, and the whole scene with Heather Langenkamp, I remember seeing that the first time. Being, oh shit! <laughs> God damn it! Uh, but you know, I would imagine she wanted to go on and do different things. Um, which she did. Uh, I think that's really good. But I think you're right. I think after this, it kind of. That's the kind of, and we'll get into this next time, but that's one of the things that pisses me off starting with four is they get into this whole pattern of killing off everybody from the last movie, which sucks. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th has been doing that for years, but it sucks. Um, this was written by, did you see who wrote this? No, I did not. Frank Darabont. It was his first really? major writing credit. No way. Yeah. Yeah, the man who, who went on to bring us... Walking Dead and Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile and... The Mist. The Mist. With the most depressing goddamn ending ever and ever. Oh, man. I love anything. that ending. It's, oh, it's great, but it's depressing as fuck. Um, Thomas Jane. 
little scream. Whatever happened to that guy? The last movie I he remember him being Punisher. in. No, yeah, the last movie he was that I remember him being in is Money Plane. And if you haven't seen Money Plane, you need to go see Money Plane. Don't think I want to. Holy God, he's in the stupid. Expanse. Holy God, Money Plane is stupid. It's really, it's the perfect kind of stupid. Is it worse than Money Train? Much, much worse. He was in Give Him Hell, Malone. Yeah, the, the Money Plane is a vehicle for the Edge mm-hmm. from WWE. It's, it's dumb as a hammer. Anyway, and, and Kelsey Grammer's the bad guy, and he's goddamn hilarious. Uh, anyway, this is where, this is when it started, and I think this is part of the problem, too, with the later ones, which, of course, we'll get into, but this is when Freddy Fever started. Huh? Really. Oh, Freddy Fever? Part three is when Freddy Fever started. This is when you, I, I, I'm pretty sure Freddy's Nightmares, the TV show, came out after this. Um, you ever see that? Never even heard of it. Yeah, he had a TV show for a while. Freddie had his own TV show. He had a Christmas album. He had had a Christmas album. (laughs) Like it, it went nuts. Like you could not get away from Freddy Krueger in the in the late eighties. It was goddamn ridiculous. The Freddy Timers is all right. It was kind of like a Tales from the Crypt ripoff with him as a crypt keeper. Robert England. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It was all right. It was. It was. My pretties. It was a less successful version of two of the shows that I watched obsessively as a child that are... I wish they still had shows like this. It was a kind of a, 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 a less successful ripoff of Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters. Hmm. Which I cannot recommend enough. If you can find them, they're very hard to find. But those are great shows. Anyway, this is this is usually considered either the best or the second best or maybe the third best of the entire franchise. It's a, uh, for me, like I said, it's a three-way race to the top. We'll we'll get to part to the number three, number two, the third one of those, which obviously is New Nightmare, for me. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get to that next time. Um, budget was four point five mil. It made ten times that. And it came out with a badass soundtrack song. Dokken, man. Dokken. <laughs> Please tell me I'm not mispronouncing it because Dokken sounds stupid. No, that's Dokken. That's what I thought. <laughs> I just remember working a bar one time, and for some reason, the band there played some Dokken. And uh, the guy at the bar, he goes, yeah, some Dokken. And I was just being an ass. And I was like, yeah, Dokken. He was like, it's Dokken, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I said it, Dokken. I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second here because it just reminded me of something. I don't <laughs> I don't know if you were there for this when we were working at Hard Rock, but there was some, <laughs> it was some band that was doing a cover of uh, that um, that song, what um, Outcast song, um, Hey Ya. He was doing a cover of Hey Ya, <laughs> and, and he he kept misquoting the uh, <laughs> he kept he kept misquoting the song, and it was bothering the hell out of me because he was like, hey, fellas, what's cooler than being ice cold? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, liquid nitrogen, I guess. <laughs> I'm not really sure what what answer you're looking for. I don't recall that one. <laughs> What's well, cooler than being ice cold? I, I where where are you going with that question? And Kelvin? A cover band. <laughs> A cover band. Um, yeah. So it made it made ten times its budget worldwide. Um, 
It's got a uh, 6.6 on IMDb, which I think is a little low. Hella low. Dream Warriors was a shit. Dream Warriors is a shit, but... And I'm basically saying that because that song was pretty good. It's not not (laughs) as good as the first one for me. Well, I Um, think... No, I think the first one's always going to be number one-ish. But it depends on... I don't know. Uh, I, I think we have to watch the other ones. That yeah, talk about yeah, that. but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no a ra- lot no rating on going on right now. Right, but I think in terms of of the first three, I, I think yes, it's very very good. I, I have very few complaints about three, other than it started a trend toward being more of a cartoon. It started that. I don't think it intended to start that, but this is where that trend starts to go. Freddie Mania. Yeah, and then Freddie got big and did a Christmas album and did his friggin' uh, show and, and did a whole bunch of other nonsense. Oh, bitch. And, you know, if it weren't for this, we wouldn't have Scary Terry. So, yay for that. <laughs> um, Amen to that. Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's about right for me. It's a 72 from the critics, which I think is about right. And a 68 um, from, uh, from the audience, which probably should be a little higher. Um. What gets me about... I don't know if we went over this on the first one. The Rotten Tomatoes, I thought, was really weird. Because the Rotten Tomatoes on the first one, 95 from the critics. Hmm. Which is awesome. Yeah. And about right. And I don't know why the audience score is 87. I don't know why the audience score for the first time in Elm Street would be lower than the critic score. Uh, it seems weird. Slightly off, yeah. It seems weird. Um, Lower expectations. <laughs> I need to find those online sometimes. Uh, <laughs> They're on YouTube. Yeah, I got you. Is that? Um, so yeah, that's the first three. Thoughts? Uh, I wish we can just do the <laughs> the rest of them right now because they're good. Yeah. No. Well, we'll get into it. It's a good time. All of them have things to enjoy. We'll Bitch. say that all of them have things to enjoy in them. Um, you know, spoiler alert, six is not by any stretch. I used to think that that was one of the best ones, but I mean, I remember I was talking to you earlier about Jason goes to hell and some of the things like sticking to you, you know, when I was growing up. Yeah. But I knew better. Dude, I said this the last time that I thought Cannonball Run was the absolute pinnacle of comedy when I was nine. (laughs) And it is absolutely not. When you're a kid, you get a lot of those weird, like, oh, no, this is great. And then you watch it later, and you're like, holy God. Think about Cannonball and that first one. The such the randomness that's going on in that fucking movie. It doesn't have a plot. Like, when they just showed up out of nowhere, the scene cuts. Next thing you know, it, he's flying the fucking plane <laughs> to go fucking get Pick a up fucking beer. But it's just like, wait. It's what? like when it cut from the scene before that... And it cuts to that scene. It's like we we supposed to know automatically what the fuck these guys have been doing all the way up until this point, <laughs> to where they're about to land a plane in a small town Main Street to get some booze. Yeah, no, it's it's a completely plotless movie, so it's garbage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back for uh, yeah. The we'll rest just do of the we'll, do, we'll just do our rankings at the end of the whole thing. Yeah, we're going all the way up to New Nightmare, right? We're stopping there. Yeah, we're stopping at New Nightmare because. I imagine at some point we're going to get through Friday the 13th, and I want to be able to, to tie them together with Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be after this one, though, because I want to do something a little shorter after this. i got a couple of ideas. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, anything you want to recommend to people for people to watch? I've already. Uh, forward to I just me. started watching Succession. 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 Oh, oh, I heard that's good on HBO. Not bad. Very, out. very good. That first, if you make it to the very end of that first episode, that's where you're going to decide to watch the series or not. Okay. I'll check it and out. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start watching them. Yeah. Because uh, people got accolades and stuff like that. But, man, Brian Cox. Brian Cox is good in everything. Shit. I, I, will, I will go to bat for him as Hannibal Lecter. You know his, who his son is, right? His son was, uh, okay, uh, the... Um, not Charlie Cox. Uh, no, he's uh, in the, the new Star Wars films. He's the... Uh, we are the first order. Oh yeah, um, the uh, the general. Yeah, you end up, end up being the uh, the spy basically at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's Brandon. That's uh, oh, actually, I know Yeah, whatever. Brian Cox has a lot of range. That's why I kind of like him. Like, I thought he was a really good Hannibal actor. You saw that? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was such a different take on the character. I thought he was really good on that. I liked him in Super Troopers. <laughs> Johnny Chimpo, uh, Jerry the Giraffe. <laughs> you know the you know one of the best parts of that movie is when he takes that soap and then just just oh I really got you fucker. And he that, grabs that soap and just bites the fucking half of it. We could we could set another out track about Super Troopers, but the, the the two things that always stick with me is the whole like nice person who says shenanigans gets a pistol whipping. Hey, Farva, see what that restaurant you like with all the shit on the walls and stuff. The jalapeno poppers. Shenanigans? You guys talking about shenanigans? Here's my gun. <laughs> that and when the rookies with the bunny suit. Attention, bunny fucker. <laughs> So good. Oh my god. Um but no my, my that was not my recommendation. Um I've already mentioned them both already, but um I would recommend um definitely see Scream Queen. Um it's it's an amazing <laughs> documentary. Not Scream Queens, which is also good, but Scream Queen, Queen. Singular Which is what happened to it's about part two and it's about what happened to Mark Patton and it's really, really cool and interesting and uh I haven't rewatched it yet, so maybe I'll be eating my words. But Bad Dreams, from what I remember of it, is very good as well. And it's kind of unfairly maligned as a ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Hmm. But I, from what I remember of it, it's actually a, its own kind of thing. And it gives Jennifer Rubin a lot more chance to kind of do her thing because she's the lead in it. So if you were sad that Taryn got killed, like, pretty much immediately, um, you can see her be the hero in Bad Dreams. She almost made it. Not really. She didn't kill. She didn't get killed super early. She was when they the were first making their stand. No, well, when they no, were making other their than stand. The puppet guy. Other, no, she didn't make it to that. No, because there was the puppet guy. Then there was the girl with the cigarette. Okay, wait. Then they came there's together. Puppet guy. Wait, there's puppet guy, and there's the uh, girl, the Welcome to Prime Time bitch girl. Yeah. And that, and then she's the next one. But it's not until later on, because they got... Then, no, then Homeboy slipped into the coma. They got together. Oh, wait, he was still alive She then. died with, along with the nerd. The D&D guy... Before the nerd. They basically... Their, their scenes were back-to-back. It's when they all got separated. She gets killed. Nerd gets killed. And then all the other survivors go after him. But I think they, they killed her way too early. Oh, it wasn't that early, in my opinion. I, I would have I would have preferred to see one of the other ones die first. They're already making their last stand. And have her do the last stand with everybody else because I thought she was awesome. That's just me. It might be because she looked really hot in that outfit. 
and I'm a sucker for that. But anyway, she's great in Bad Dreams, from what I remember. Plus, the guy who played Chainsaw in uh, Summer School's in it. Nice. And he's great. All right. Well, then that's it. Word. Okay. Word. Four through seven next time. Coming at you. It's very, very soon. Yep. So this is a series run podcast. And I'm Matt. And I'm also Matt. We will be back. Show notes. Welcome to the party. Thank <laughs> you.